Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs on Friday, February 23rd. Bright and early, the Cavs are slated to take on the Philadelphia 76ers on this day three years ago. Omar Stevens' game-winning dunk on this day 18 years ago. The Cavs and Sixers making a trade to get the Cavs a second-round pick. They use it to draft Daniel Gibson. They acquire Flip Murray on this day as well in 2006. And happy 29th birthday to former team number one overall pick, Andrew Wiggins. He never suited up for the Cavs, but yet, if not for Andrew Wiggins, there is no Kevin Love. If not for Kevin Love, perhaps there is no ring. And if there is no ring, perhaps, what is the Cavs' legacy? But we're going to be bringing on your own Weitzman. We're talking everything Cavs Sixers. We're looking back at the process and more coming up on Network 216 Across the Cavs. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. Excited to bring today's guest on. He wrote one of the best basketball books you can find in stores or online, all about the process with the Sixers. He's a longtime writer. And if you ask anybody who, if I want to become a basketball fan or I want to get more into the nitty gritty, who do I want to read? You'll hear his name, your own Weitzman. A pleasure to talk this morning ahead of Cavs Sixers. Thanks. I also, hell, that's a hell of a, uh, a musical intro. I feel like I have to, like, out my energy this early to catch that. <laughs> We like the sound of that. I wish I could take credit. No, there are some very, very talented folks out there. Of course, everyone's got their different skills. So luckily, there are people in the pipeline, especially with the network, that are able to design such things. So lucky to be able to use it, right? Because I'm, I'm a loud guy to begin with. You bring in the, you bring in the intro, and it's like, all right, we're going tit for tat, one on one. Yeah, no, it's, but uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that woke me up. So I'm, I'm good to go. Perfect. All right, so. Best place to start here for the Cavs and the Sixers, your own, did take losses last night, only losing to the Knicks, who have just found a way with a number of players out to continue playing impressive basketball, whether it be Jericho Sims, who put up in 18 minutes, 4-10, and 10, a couple of impressive dunks. Bojan added 22. Precious Achua, who was kind of just an add-in to the Raptors-Knicks trade, suddenly putting up double-doubles every night. But from the, from the Sixers side, what did you think they were missing? Obviously, other than number twenty one, in uh, yeah, I mean that's the uh, <laughs> it's the obvious answer. But it's just everything. I mean, they added Lowry. Um, I thought they did some different interesting things. They went with some really small lineups last night with uh, Lowry, Maxi, and Buddy Hield. So you know, two of the new additions all together with uh, Kelly O'Brien, and Tobias Harris, and like five man units like that. Just trying to go super small. The, the the defense, since Embiid has been out, it's the defense that's really fallen off a cliff and that they've been unable to, uh, I want to say replicate, but even, you know, salvage in any way. The defense has been the problem. Um, and that's partly, you know, coming into the season, one of the things, Embiid's offense got all the uh, shine for good reason. He was having one of the greatest offensive seasons in NBA history. Um, but the Sixers also, you know, Nick Nurse coming in there, I don't know if we made a tweak, if you want to say it was a tweak, or just um, got Embiid working in a different way. But basically, they told Embiid, go block everything. Like, you're just going to be – you're going to be the super aggressive rim protector. Like, let's turn you into that. And, you know, even talking to Sixers, uh, guards, maybe it was Melton or um, Maxi. I forget, but early in the season, like, they were saying they knew they were pressuring up high. They knew this was a new strategy, basically. Pressure, 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 which is very much Nick Nurse's way of doing things also. Um, and no, Embiid's going to cover everything in the back and just he's going to swat everything. And he really did. If you looked at the numbers, I don't remember them, but like the amount of shots he was contesting 
or more than he has basically in his entire career at the rim. Um, so you remove that, and they didn't get to replace that guy, partly because the Chicago Bulls, not, not saying Andre Drummond's amazing, but the Chicago Bulls decided that they'd rather hang on and chase a uh, 11 seed than make a deal. Yes. Um, so that's just the defense is the thing they haven't been able to, you know, save really since the beat's been out there. And you saw it last night as well. Yeah, and Andre Drummond was for about five seconds a Cavs candidate as well. You know. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, he was a Cav once upon a time. He was a net once upon a time. He was a sixer once upon a time, did not last the season, correct? He was a first half of the season sixer, right? And then they sent him to they're the ones that ended up, he ended up in the, the Lakers from leaving. He was uh he was in the Ben Simmons James Harden deal. He that's sent, right. That's right. Uh, he was what a, what a deal it was. What a deal yeah, it was. Exactly. Not here to hatch exactly. that one, but what a deal it was indeed. Similarly, for the Cavs last night, Donovan did not play. They lost to Orlando by seven. They kept turning the ball over. The biggest stat for me was that every player off the bench had a negative plus minus. They tried Craig Porter. It was wonderful to see him back in. He's had some wonderful moments this year, but it didn't work. George Niang was a minus 20. He's had his ups and downs, as we both know very well. He can be a great scorer. He can do a lot. But then there's games where he doesn't really show up. And with all four reserves, minus 10 or worse in a game, he lost by seven. Yes, Mitchell was out. But that's really all you can point to. But with that said, you know, this is night two. The Cavs are, will be traveling to Philly for this one. The Sixers are at home. What are you most excited about with this matchup, and how does it kind of muddy it up a little bit that both teams on the second end of a back-to-back after sitting for a week? Um, I mean, that, I was, that's just weird. Like, I guess I get why they do it. They want to jump in. That's like the whole league is weird. I was looking at it. It seems like this first week is loaded with um, teams on back-to-backs, which I guess you have to make up for the week off, but it seems uh, silly. Um, I mean, it's this is the thing. With, with Philly now, I find it hard. It's an oversimplistic way of looking at it, but it's all relevant. They just want to stack wins, just or not even stack wins. See if they can pull out any wins, right? Like they know if Embiid's not back for the playoffs, they're not going anywhere. They have no shot. Like it's not. It's all relevant, and they're going to play very differently when Embiid's there. And the guys they got, like Buddy Hield, in particular, um, and his passing's actually been really good and surprising since he got to Philly. I don't know, have the assist totals. Eight assists but... a game for the first seven and a half assists for his first four. So thirty. Yeah, which has got to be. I don't know what was he having before two. Like I don't. Know, it, yeah, it's got to be three. It's got to be um, one of the better passing stretches of his career, which is interesting. It's something they desperately needed because Maxi, um, I won't say he was wilting. It was just they were asking too much of Maxi. He just he's not there yet to carry an offense all by himself. They just didn't have enough shot creators. Um, and these guys like healed if you have him playing off and B. And that's what I got right. Play off and B. You know he can do a um, two man action like they used to do with JJ Redick. He can spot. He can do all these kind of things. If you have him on the floor with Maxi and Embiid. And um and heal, that's an incredible offense. Like that's an offense that's gonna be really hard to guard, right? Um, obviously Embiid's not there. So you're asking me about this game, like the Sixers know they're not going anywhere if Embiid's not there, right? So just how can we figure out ways to pull out wins? And they've done it a few, and Nick Nurse is really good and really creative and really interesting. Um, but then if you look at the standings, like I was looking at it, like Philly, and I think some of the uh if you look at like FanDuel, DraftKings, these odds makers, I think they have Philly uh, projected to fall into the play in because of the injuries and because of the tough schedule. Well, I, I'm, let's see. I think they're looking at now they're uh, a game and a half ahead of the seventh place Orlando Magic, right? Oh, right. wow. They're just ahead um, of Indy, too. 
Yeah, so that to me is the thing. It's like not as much schematics. The schematics are almost irrelevant, right? Like, again, no one be, it doesn't matter. It's just can they get to a point where they can avoid the plane? And I guess even specifically, I mean, I don't, they're not going to fall to that 9 10 plane spot, right? But just you want to see if you can avoid the plane. Um, and if they don't avoid it, they can actually end up facing Cleveland in the first round, right? Which would be. I don't know if either team. I don't know how the Cavs fans would feel about that. No, either, right? if because you know, it's like it's kind of like that story in the on the West, right? Your own because if the Warriors end up as a seven or eight, looking at what they're doing right now and how they're they're playing so well, they're about to get Chris Paul back. They might honestly now go from one of the weirdest rosters to perhaps one of the most impressive depth charts with every single guy that plays. You're going to have the Lakers, as long as LeBron and AD are on the court, that's always going to be the question when, because we weren't last night. LeBron wasn't. Yep. But and now in the East, you know, we saw last year with Celtics-Hawks that you can't really take a team lightly. It took six games for them to knock them out, and that sixth game was also very competitive. You know, we saw the Heat had to get where the worst team in the play-in to advance as the eight, and they went to the finals last year. If the Magic end up as a playing team and the Cavs, the Cavs should stay or the Bucks move up or it's Miami, New York, there is nothing easy. And we're, and obviously the West is still best, I think top to bottom, but the East right now is just bristling with these teams that want a shot at these types of top teams. And if either the Cavs or Sixers end up in that position immediately, it's going to be a lot harder than people think to just get out of it. Nothing it's also like when you play a plane to you know in the playoff, it's the oversimplistic way of looking at it. But I would say it'd be interesting, it'd be a fun, nerdy study, right? How often, and I guess it depends how you define the best player. But I would imagine you know, two teams match up in NBA playoffs, the team with the best player wins 95% of the time, right? I'm imagining that's probably give or take where we yeah. where it's at. Um, if you're facing any almost any team, I guess any team in the east, really facing in the Sixers in the playoffs, uh. Embiid, if it beats healthy, he's probably the best player on the court. Maybe not Giannis. I don't know. Whatever you can, you know, you can pick snakes and all that. Um, but you don't want to face that in the first round, right? Like that would just be a really tough draw. So maybe the Cavs want to let the Sixers win tonight, you know, and let them climb up the six. <laughs> well, hey, that last meeting between them, let's see, the exact date. It feels very real. I know what, yeah, 11 days ago when the teams last met. Came down to the wire for the second straight time in the first meeting, the beautiful in-season tournament court with the Liberty Bell on and everything. Oh, wonderful court, wonderful court, not really. That was Craig Porter Jr. for the Cavs, having one of the best games of his career in a game that was on national TV. This one will also be on national TV, not that that's as important of a detail. Cleveland and Philly met, and the Cavs had the last shot. Darius Garland missed it. In the very next game for Cleveland, Garland ended up hitting the shot that helped them win the game after a uh, comeback against Chicago. But the last four meetings, your own have been decided by six, nine, three, and two points. Last year's meetings were decided. I mentioned nine, six, the first one, 28. And if you go back one more year, Sixers won by four, four, six, and 10. These teams always play close. They've been overtime a few times in the last five seasons. But what are the cross matchups you're most excited to see between Cleveland and Philly tonight? Um, I mean, it's the, the guards are always fun. See how. Uh... Philly handles it. I imagine Cleveland's going to try to single out Maxi wherever they can, right? That's uh, that's always interesting to me. We can also even talk George Niang revenge game, right? Very important there. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm like, God, I'd be excited for that. Um, 
I mean, tonight I, I would imagine it's just I don't know how Philly manages to deal with Cleveland's size, right? Um, particularly Jared Allen. Um, I don't know if that means a lot of B-ball Paul. That's probably not a good thing. B-ball Paul has a – he seems to be the one guy that Nick Nurse has, like, a cap on. You know, like Kelly Oubre, let him go whatever he wants. But B-ball Paul seems very clear that he's uh, big on having him be just a, uh, you know, 12, minute, 12 minutes a game guy. Um, yeah, it's uh, – I just lost – we're recording. I lost the feed here. No worries. Oh, no, I guess sorry. My phone was connected and it took me off of uh, it took me off of the screen there, which was weird. Um, I'll pick up again. Um, anyway, so yeah, B ball Paul. I'm kind of curious to see how he handles the big guys and deals with Jared Allen, particularly, and what the Sixers do. I imagine they'll try to go small again and stretch them out. Um, Jared Allen. Again, you, you, you'll speak more to, on this than me. I found that fascinating. It was in the Clippers when he stayed on the floor when they went uh, small and he hung. He was able to hang in there with that Clippers small ball unit. And uh, I imagine the Sixers are going to test that tonight as well. No, there's no there's no way they won't, right? You have to. But, I mean, the way the Cavs have kind of built this model, it started out. Right now, it's double big. Remember, it started out, it's triple big. Lowry Marketing yeah. came to the Cavs as a power forward. He played small forward. And then playing small forward unlocked him in Utah, actually, because that's where he's played a lot of his minutes, although this year he's been more of a forward than a three. But it was the three of them, and your hope would be. And then you also – Sexton was hurt that year, so you also had a Coro starting with them. So you got four guys uh, pretty big at their positions <clears throat> all guarding you the other way. But Evan Mobley is able to be compatible guarding all five spots throughout the court, which is why he was a deep boy runner-up last year and could very well if he plays enough games the rest of the way. I don't know how many he missed while he was out, so it would be a close call if he'd be a candidate to be the DPOY, but he was just so effective. He is, again, doesn't steal and block numbers, don't show everything, unless you're talking about Donovan Mitchell steals, which have been insane this season. <laughs> and, and for Jared Allen, right, I, I think – so many teams have tried to go to thinking, oh, you know, this guy, he's seven feet. He's not the fastest. But he's stuck with a lot of guys. I was very impressed by the way he guarded Kawhi, specifically in that Clippers matchup. And if they do go small, I think the only positive for Philly is they have a little more size when they go small because Tobias a little bigger than the Clippers' biggest guy in that lineup. But I think the biggest thing for the Sixers on that side would just be even with all that size, throw up as many outside shots with your best shooters as you can and crash the glass. Because I think with Tobias and Uber and even Kyle Lowry, who I don't think has ever gotten enough credit being a solid rebounding guard for his size, can come in, create those second chances. Because when you're getting those against these bigger teams, that's when you'll get them flat-footed, tired. Because they might be off balance for half a second, one second, right? Trying to go for the ball or twist at a different angle. And that's where the Sixers can have their advantage. It's also, I guess, for Cavs fans watching the Sixers, Tobias has a – he was really bad last night and he struggled a lot this season. And it'll be interesting to see um, what Nick Nurse's leash, with, leash is with him and also where his confidence is at because sometimes his confidence can waver a little bit when he struggles. So that would be another thing I'd uh, look for tonight. And what's the – what's your – if you can – your own – if Nick Nurse says, all right, I'm tired of this, your own Weitzman – What's my starting lineup? Who's coming off the bench? Because I've seen so many different mixes of players for the Sixers from the trades they've made and otherwise. Obviously, Campaign was the original backup right after he got here. I don't think got Kyle, but you still saw Cam getting some minutes. 
All right, you've only saw four minutes of Mo Bamba yesterday. Yeah, I wouldn't expect more of that. <laughs> so what's your what's your ideal starting five with current with the pieces they currently have? So right now, build your perfect Sixers lineup. So no, no Embiid, you're saying? Correct. So for this game specifically, we know Embiid okay. would obviously be the main. Well, so I'm gonna. So add, I know not your question. The Embiid thing, because one, um, I would say, but the Nick Batum with Embiid. Nick Batum's value is increased when Embiid's there, which sounds like it's part of, partly like, yeah, no shit, everyone's better when Embiid's there. But the way he plays as a connector, he's a really good passer. Like, it's not that you have to tag him to Embiid, but, you know, he, he's probably, you definitely put him in the starting lineup no matter what, I would say, when Embiid is there. Which maybe means Buddy heals out. The other guy we didn't mention is DFA Melton has been out. Um, and he's a uh, an important player. He's not a star, but he's one of these guys, a legitimate starting starting guard and a solid defender who can also do some stuff at offense, which is, you know, come playoff time when you're always looking for, right, guys who are just the idea of just, you know, to can hold their own on both ends of the court, right? Um, and they're missing him as well. I mean, half the league, it feels like. You're watching that Nick Sixers game, and it's like there's an all-star team of guys off the court, like, who are injured yeah. and watching, right? Um, that's me for now. So now it's more like you got to junk it up a little bit, just see what you can do because they're missing so many guys. I throw – uh, 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 healed Maxi Ubre, who again you kind of rely on his scoring a little bit, even though he's more uh, suited to the uh, let's bring him off the bench for a few 20 minutes. If he's got it, we can ride him. If not, he's off, it's fine, right? We have the flexibility, like it's not good. Kelly Ubre is great if he's a uh, if you can take those chances, it's not great if you have to rely on him. That's where it kind of uh, becomes a problem. But given their injuries, I would you know, him, Tobias. Uh, healed Maxi, and then I probably against the Cavs. I think you probably start B-ball Paul just against the size, um, and you work in Batum. And I remember I missed. Oh, they have all um, Ricky Council. Is he yep. the, uh, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth? He's a uh, he's a uh, he's been pretty good for them actually. Surprisingly, it's been a nice little pickup. Um, KJ Martin, but these guys are all just you know this is just this is not a playoff team right now, right? They need yeah. a few of these guys back. I think the KJ Martin issue is I, I was actually very excited when he first got there, right? Because he went from starting on the Rockets playing almost 40 minutes a game for the last two months of last season. Team that really wasn't going anywhere and has flipped things as they flipped their roster as well. Got some top picks. But the reason I really like him, right? He's an athletic wing, but then I saw he hasn't been playing and obviously trading Marcus Morris gives the Marcus Morris minutes, right, over to KJ Martin. But I, so you're saying you're not a big Mo Bamba fan. There's really nothing he, his size and spacing doesn't move the needle because I know he has a lot of shortcomings, but nothing. I, I mean, am I like in the minority as not being, I think it's kind of been proven <laughs> that what, what team, what number team are we on now? I guess three, but like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, the Mo Bamba experience has, has, is anyone a Mo Bamba fan throughout the league? I don't, I don't really know. Well, it depends on how, mean, how many parties they go to. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, God bless, try it. Again, this is like kind of goes back to the initial conversation, right? I think Nick Nurse knows. He's just like trying to scrap out wins. And honestly, it's probably a mix of uh, infuriating and kind of fun to be game planning if you're him in this situation because you're just like trying shit out, throwing the kitchen sink, knowing that none of this is uh, is what's going to – what things are going to look like in playoff time. Then again, you never know if you want to like – maybe you can stumble onto something that works, right, which would be interesting. Um but yeah, just kind of just try shit out, see what we can do. They're also missing Robert Covington, who again, not yeah. not a stud, but these are guys who would some of the guys who would help. Uh, when you're, we're talking about the defense, right, and how it's fallen off a cliff, 
missing Melton and Covington, who again, Covington might have been an overrated as like a lockdown defender, but he still helps a team defense and he's big and can play some backup five. Um, and these are guys that are missing. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just really hard for them to carve out these rotations and lineups right now. Absolutely. So perfect time to pivot here a little bit. All right. So your own Weitzman, the author of Tanking to the Top, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the most audacious process. Emphasis See right, process. There, right, 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 right there, right, right, there. The history of professional way. sports. Can you tell us to get the full, get the full view there? Which was okay. Yeah, which way to turn the camera? No, there we go. There we yeah, go. That perfect. One. There you go. Beautiful. So your own. For many that have read this, you get several hundred pages of all the nuggets, all the learnings. But what are some of your favorite things from the book? that we did not get to see in the final copy. So maybe it just won't fit. That's a good question. Um, first, I don't want to, well, let's say it was 200, it was under 300 pages, so not too long, so don't worry. That's a couple not hundred. Robert Carroll. That's a good um, uh, So not a great, well, I, I'm big on uh, most of the stuff that I could, I put everything I can mostly in there. Like I don't, if I had it verified, I thought it was good, I put it in there. Um, obviously here's some like, you know, rumor type stuff that uh you don't but if it's not in there it's because i couldn't nail it down um i'm trying to think like i some of tj mcconnell's backstory was interesting but just just nothing that people aren't familiar with just the you know being the odds and i just cut that i think for space uh which might have been a mistake in hindsight but so it goes um yeah i don't know i think i don't remember some of this i mean not a great answer. I don't have specifics on it, but just the, the way some people felt about Sam Pinky, which I guess is more rumors, but there's some people who really thought like he was she would cheat or lie or things like that. And I I would say I didn't put it in there. Saying I didn't verify it is even too light, right? Like I just don't know if it's true, but I found it interesting. And I think I tried to allude to it if I remember right. Just the idea that true or not, there was clearly a way that um that, that people around the league would think that he was capable of some of the things they were accusing him of to me was interesting in terms of it spoke to what they actually thought of him even if you then push back on some of the conspiracies and be like wait that's not possible you know it, what you're saying makes no sense that there was a thought from some people around the league that he was capable of stuff just kind of spoke to the the reputation he had developed and how people thought he was just a dirty player for lack of a better word and i just i don't think that's true in any way right you can disagree with the process and all that i think uh like, I don't, same thing, he never struck me and people know him best as, like, a liar, right? That's not something he was. He was, you know, he's a general manager, negotiator. That's different, right? But not a liar. Um, but clearly, some people just thought he was a, he, he was capable of things. And to me, that was interesting. Yeah, very interesting indeed. A lot of great learnings. Anyone that's new to basketball in the last seven years, the first book you should read, what are the most interesting time periods for a team in the NBA? Start with the process and the Michael Carter-Williams magnificent debut that seems like, oh, wait, they're here. And then they needed a couple more years. But nonetheless. I'll put in the, uh, for those who haven't read, is actually the Cavs is a big part. The Cavs factor in. I go deep on the uh, on uh, Joel Embiid's workout with Cleveland the uh, and how the Cavs wanted to take him first overall, but their medical team wouldn't let him. Um, I put in the story in there, just Joel Embiid, like, hit, I don't remember now because I wrote it a while ago, but let's say 13 threes in a row. And after each one is like talking smack to David Griffin, basically being like, how are you not going to pick me? I'm so good. Look how good I am. Um, so an interesting sliding doors moment there. Imagine the future in Cleveland had they taken and be, he debuts in 2016. 
Kyrie's still there. It would have been something to behold that that multiverse is fiending to, to come out. But nonetheless, yeah. Cavs do play the Sixers tonight, which is the big reason that we are here. So all things considered, your own thoughts on who's going to get the win and what will the ultimate X factor be? X factor. Uh, let's say Cavs. Let's say Cavs. I mean, the Cavs should win this game, right? Um, so we'll go with the Cavs. Uh, X factor. I mean, I guess it's just Sixers three point shooting. It's a boring answer, but that's kind of the. What do you do if you're undersized and you're missing guys? You're gonna put up a bunch of threes, and that's kind of the big equalizer. So I would say if they go off, if the Cavs can limit them there, that would be the uh, key. And if Donovan Mitchell ends up sitting, he was sick. He should play, but was ill last night, did not play. If Donovan sits, does that change your viewpoint? No, not really. I mean, the Cavs are still more talented, better than the Sixers are right now. And which which Cavs player, perhaps, which unsung Cavs player are you personally most excited to watch tonight? Um, that, I mean, I've been enjoying watching Max Drews play. I've been enjoying that experience um, in general. Um seeing him kind of run around off screens and create off the dribble and a little bit and stuff like that. Um, I'm also a sucker for George Yang, just watching him. He's like my favorite. Just He looks like a guy who's like you'd see warm up at the uh, JCC. It's just – and I just – I love – I used to go w- watch him warm up. I'd watch – go to warm-ups before the game, watch them. And watching him warm up was hilarious because I'm telling you, he couldn't jump over a piece of paper, and yet he also wouldn't miss a shot. Like, it was just wild to me. I just, I actually used to really get a kick out of just watching him go through his pregame routine. And what are your thoughts about Cleveland? He started out as the minivan, but it, yeah. it's, it's gone. He's the G Wagon now from Cleveland. What oh, is that what it is? That's what it's been. Brad already calls him G Wagon. What do you think? I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> I was, uh, I was unaware. I was unaware. But I guess, is that an update? I don't, is that an upgrade? I don't even know. Kind of an, I don't know if it's an upgrade, a downgrade, or just, uh, I kind of like it. It's the same grade. Either. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Now, my personally, I, I think the Cavs should win, but given that that they handled Orlando okay throughout the year, they had lost them one other time this season. You never take anything for granted. I think there's a good chance again that Buddy Heald could absolutely go off at six or seven threes. I think Tobias could start off better. I think they could try and see what they can do, what they can get on switches. Obviously, it's hard to get these switches when you have two bigs and then one can rotate up through the screen, the other can then drop back. But I think that they could try and get him going. I am curious to see Kyle Lowry having not watched Sixers Knicks last night. Just getting there, already playing 25 minutes, tells you all you need to know about Nick Nurse and Kyle Lowry, despite what may have happened in Miami these last few years where his game has dripped, uh, dropped rather, and numbers have dripped. And I, I do think it'll be a fun matchup. I, I've seen a good amount of b-ball, Paul. So my hope is from the Sixers' side that they do give him a little bit of a longer leash to run. You know, because if you do shrink the court and KJ Martin is one of your options and Uber is one of your options, sure, you'll hit, you'll hit some shots. But I still think Reed gives you the best opportunity for second chances and cleaning up possessions because – you never take a basic defensive rebound for granted. I think that's the most important thing you can learn from watching an NBA game. Shot goes up, you are not guaranteed to get any rebound. You go over the back, you know, someone boxes you out, no matter how much smaller than you they are, all of a sudden those second chance points are up to 15, you lose a game by five, and that's it. So I think, your own for me, the winning team is going to win second chance points and is going to create offensive rebounds regardless of the size matchup. That, that's what, for me, will determine who wins. Sounds good to me. And now we know about the book. Your handle is right here, your own Weitzman. Where else can we find your, your current writings? 
Uh, yeah, foxsports.com. You can download the Fox Sports app, I guess, if you want. I'll be a company man. Download it. It's great. Foxsports.com is where me and my uh, wonderful colleagues cover the NBA. All right. Make sure, folks, get the Fox Sports app. Read Tanking to the Top. Your local bookstore, your local library, your local Amazon.com search on your local device. Go to a library. Buy it. Don't take it out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm actually a big library guy myself, personally, but I'd understand yeah, yeah. it as an actual, as, but if I was an author, I'd say, you don't buy my book at the library. It's there if you want it, but I would say, yeah. I got yeah. I get that revenue stream, nonetheless. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> You're a pleasure to welcome you on and looking forward to tonight's matchup. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. He's your own Weitzman, Zach Weitz with you saying so long for now back on Sunday with the chase down as the Cavs and Wizards will play. Jordan Poole is now a sixth man. That is the hottest story in the NBA, obviously, because nothing else is relevant in the league besides Jordan Poole now coming off the bench for a 20-year-old that was a high school, uh, excuse me, a professional teammate of Victor Wembanyama. We will see you on Sunday. <laughs>